Father, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the truth of it, the fact that it continues to speak, Father. Through every day, every year, every month, through the centuries, it speaks to us, Father. Wherever we're at, whatever situation we're in, wherever we find ourselves, your word has truth that sets us free. And I want to thank you for those truths, Father. And I pray that as I share what you've put on my heart this morning, that those truths would settle in our hearts, Father. That we'd see in new ways, Father. That you'd open our eyes to new ways of seeing, Father, that would bring us life and light and healing, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you want a title, you can call it The Mother God. Don't worry, I've not gone completely liberal. Uh, God is also Father, but he is also Mother. Because in Isaiah 66, it says this, As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. And 2 Thessalonians, Paul writes and says, We came, and as a mother, we cared for you. God is primarily referred to as Father, but of course, some of that is because it was written in a very patriarchal culture where man was king and woman was not. But God is both Father and Mother. Today, of course, is Mother's Day, and I thought it might be a good day to bring some thoughts to you that actually I've been wanting to share for some months now. Um, and I'm excited because Faye's going to share a little bit as well after me, <coughs> which I'm excited about. <coughs> you might need to give him my voice a moment. But before I go any further, I want to be really clear that I know today can be a day of very mixed emotions. For some people, it's a wonderful day. For other people, it's a very painful day. Some people have great relationships with their parents. Others have terrible relationships with their parents. For some people, their mum is physically present, but she's emotionally absent. For others, mum has died, so they may well be emotionally present, but physically absent. Some are dealing with being a mum when they didn't plan to be. Others are dealing with not being a mum when they did plan to be. And some people might decide that because of all that, it's best to pretend that Mother's Day wasn't happening and talk about something completely different, but I would much rather acknowledge the complexity of it and speak some life into it. I would much rather not shy away from the difficulty of it, but actually speak into it because I believe that the word contains incredible words of hope and life for all of us. It's clear that God is in a family. He created it. Back in the beginning, Genesis 2.24, a man will leave his father and mother and they will become one flesh. Family is God's idea. The Bible is a book about mums and dads and sons and daughters and aunts and uncles and grandparents. It follows one big family of the Israelites through their history. But I want to focus on one story in Mark chapter 3. Crowds have started to follow Jesus. He heals many people. The crowds are so great. He actually tells his friends in verse 9 to get a boat ready so he can escape the crowds if needs be. And we get to Mark 3, 20 to 21. They might, oh, they've got it. Well done, guys. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said he is out of his mind. So these crowds gather, the throng's so great, Jesus and his disciples can't even eat. And at this point, Jesus' his mum and his brothers, as we find out later on, get to hear of it, and they decide that they need to take charge of him because he's out of his mind. Now, the message says they heard what was going on and went to rescue him by force, if necessary. Now, we don't know why they decided it was necessary to rescue Jesus. Perhaps they just thought, you know, it's his mum, and they thought he could do with someone to eat. I need to go give him a sandwich. But it seems it was a bit of a stronger emotion than that, because you weren't just passing a packed lunch through the window and say, pass this to Jesus. It wasn't like, here you go, Peter, pass him his dinner. 
it were like they were going to rescue him. By, they wanted to pull him out of that situation, drag him away from it. So we don't know why, but it seems they would use force if necessary. They appear to be convinced that what is happening is because Jesus is out of his mind. The words and actions of Jesus look to this family, his family, like insanity. And they were determined to rescue their boy, their brother, from his insanity. So they're looking and going, Jesus, that's not right. What you're doing right there, that's wrong. And we want to rescue you from it. We want to pull you out of it. What they were seeing didn't resonate with their understanding of him. So they were going to rein him in to rescue him. So they go and go to this house where he is, Mark 3, 31 to 34. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Now, Jesus says, who are my mother and brothers? Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my brother and my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Which is a hugely provocative statement. Especially in first century Galilee, where you've got this whole shame culture going on. Where like, elders are key, you don't say anything negative, you do what mum and dad say, and Jesus sits there and goes, I mean, just imagine, who are my mother and mother's? It's hugely provocative and difficult. But he says something very powerful about family without actually saying it. He actually defines who is in and who is out. We define family in a very narrow way. Birth, adoption, marriage, death, divorce. That's how we define family. If I give birth to them or I adopted them or maybe if I fostered them, then the mine. We use very strong language about our family. We use words like mine as though they belong. And, and, and some of that's not necessarily bad, but actually sometimes it is not good. And then when people die, we say that we've lost them or and across the part of our family. But if I asked you to write down who was in your family, it would tell you something about what you think about family. So if I said right now, tell me who's in your family, most of you would name your mum and your dad, your spouse or partner, and your kids. And you might go a bit wider, depending on your family tree. That's what most people would do. <clears throat> Jesus doesn't do that. When Jesus looks, he goes, well, who is it? And then he says, those who do the will of God, which is a bit confusing, but I think what he means is this. He sat teaching about the kingdom, because for Jesus, the kingdom was everything. The kingdom was everything. And he's teaching these people, and these people are sat in this house listening and learning about the Father, about kingdom. And his mum and dad are coming along, or not his dad, but his mum and his brothers come along and go, hey, Jesus, you've got to get out of there now. What they're doing, they're pulling him away from the kingdom. And he goes, actually, if you're not about the kingdom, well, you're not part of my family. Wow. Ouch. I don't think he says you're not part of my family. He just says, look, I'm more bothered about the kingdom than I am about the fact that I came out of your womb. That's what he's really saying. He's going, I might have come out of your womb, mum, and you might have come out of your womb, but actually, you know what? There's something much more important than that, and it's called the kingdom of God. It's called why I was sent. There's something more important than DNA, and it's called the kingdom. That's what Jesus is really saying. He's going, the kingdom's much more important. Because the kingdom doesn't operate through the DNA of a mum and a dad and a brother and a sister. The kingdom operates through the DNA of Jesus. Because yeah. you could take a blood test and it might show that you had, or a DNA test, and it would show who was your paternal mother or father. But actually, if you see it in a kingdom where you could take a DNA test, and I'd tell you who your mum and dad was, and he's called the father and the mother. Which means you're all my brothers and sisters. Yeah. Our mums and dads, our sons and daughters. 
And so Jesus asked some really interesting questions about how we think. And I find that in our culture, this idea of family, and, and even in the church actually, because we've taught some good things, you know, like uh, uh, a husband should honour his wife, and a wife should be submitted, and children should obey your parents, and honour your parents. It's all good stuff, but there's something even greater than that called the kingdom of God. And I think Jesus says, look, you have to make a choice. No, let's not go too far. They're pulling him away from the kingdom. They stop him pursuing the kingdom, which is why he says to those around him, those who are learning about the kingdom, they're the ones closest to him. It challenges our view of family, which in our culture seems to be very narrow, because after all, who are my mother and my brothers? You see, the heart of God is always reaching out. It's always inclusive, and it's always looking for who it can reach out and bless. And it never stops at physical DNA. If your border is physical DNA, you are yet to understand something foundational to the kingdom of God. And I realise that's a big thing for some of you. But it's all right, you'll get there. There is a horrible thought that pervades much of our thinking and it's about protecting our small nuclear family and making sure two, three, four, five, six of us, however many it may be, are all right. And as long as we're all right, that's okay. No, that's not okay. That's not the kingdom. That's not the kingdom. It's not about you and your little family. It's not about making sure you and your kids are all right. It's making sure that whoever God puts in your path is all right, whilst looking after those and protecting from and caring from. But actually, a lot of our protecting is not protecting, it's mollycoddling. And God does not mollycoddle. If you are not reaching beyond your natural family, then you are a long way from understanding the kingdom of God. If you're not including people, welcoming people, asking people to join you when you go for a walk or a day out or a meal, there's something you are yet to understand about the heart of God because the heart of God is always reaching beyond, always reaching further. Of course, there's a balance. There's a balance about protecting time together. You don't, you don't spend all your time with everybody. You need to invest in yourselves and your kids. But, but some of us need to make a shift. See... What can happen is that when we truly follow Jesus and desire the kingdom of everything else, that may bring tension in some of our relationships. Because when you're running for the kingdom, there may well be people who may be friends or may be family who will look and go, you're insane. That's what they did to Jesus. But Jesus dealt with that issue head on. You see, if you go places they would never go and do things they would never do, they will often look at you and desire to rein you in, to pull you back and bring you onto their version of safe ground. These people might even be your close family, as in Jesus' case. And Jesus was really clear about what he thought about that. You got that next slide? Oh, yeah, next one. Don't think I've come to make life cosy. Oh, well, that ruins some of your prayers, doesn't it? Please, can I have a cosy family? Don't think I've come to make life cosy. This is from the message translation of Matthew 10. Jesus said it, not me, so don't get upset at me. I've come to cut, make a sharp knife cut between son and father, daughter and mother, bride and mother-in-law. Cut through those cosy domestic arrangements and free you for God. Because some of those cosy domestic arrangements keep you trapped in something that's not God. Of course, in it all, you honour, you care, you bless, you love. This is not free reign, do whatever you want. But some of those arrangements keep you trapped and not free of God. Well-meaning family members can be your worst enemies. If you... Pref- this is... I mean, just get ready for this one. If you prefer father or mother over me, you don't deserve me. If you prefer son or daughter over me, you don't deserve me. Wow. Wow. It's great, Mother's Day, isn't it? Nice little word about mums. If you don't go all the way with me through thick and thin, you don't deserve me. 
If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me, and that is a beautiful place to be. And remember, God renews and God retells and God restores and God puts everything back together. Jesus is saying, the result of him being on the earth will cause people to make choices. And those choices may well mean that families are not the cosy, cuddly places we might like them to be. Perhaps we could stop praying that our natural families would be lovey-dovey, cosy places and pray the kingdom comes amongst them. But, as Jesus also said, the violent take the kingdom. Which just means you've got to fight for it. You've got to want it, you've got to desire it, you've got to be willing to have those difficult conversations. He came to bring the kingdom, and when the kingdom comes, not everyone receives it, and it actually causes division. So Jesus is asking who we're really serving, whose voice is loudest, whose voice do we action. We say we love Jesus, but the moment you choose to put the desires of your spouse, kids, parents, aunts, uncle, grandma above Jesus, Jesus himself says, well, that's not why I came. In fact, that translation says you don't deserve me. Ouch. There may come a time when our family suggests we do one thing, but we feel God say another. Well, there you go. That's the moment right there. Will we submit to the will of Jesus or the will of our family members? You see, this house, I'm talking about the kingdom of God. I'm talking about what you're really after and what you really want and what you really need. Because when you get the kingdom, everything turns around and it's fabulous and wonderful, but it also costs incredibly. I don't want to spend two weeks in Paraguay away from my wife and children. I'd much rather be at home. I would. But are you excited to go? Why would I be excited to leave my wonderful wife and four kids? What's exciting about that? There's nothing exciting about that whatsoever. But I do it because Jesus asked me to go. And I'm going to go to Nepal and Kenya this year. That's more than I've ever travelled and I don't want to... Well, I do want to go because I want to see everybody, but I don't want to leave. Are my kids happy about it? No. Do they say, please don't go? Yes, they do. But what's more important? The kingdom's more important. And I know that my God gave me a word ten years ago that said, those who leave family and friends, I'll repay a hundred times for me. So I go. Does that cause difficulty? Does it cause division? Do they get upset at me? Does it leave fear? We're two weeks looking after them on our own, running a business and everything else at home. Yes, it does. But the kingdom's more important. And I'm living for the kingdom. I'm the king. What's wonderful is that as we choose to serve Jesus, as we choose to act in his ways and obey his voice, then not only do we find our true selves, we also find him in all his fullness. And God does some incredible things. It's like we're noticing it more and more. When you give yourself for the kingdom, when you actually get time together, it's like it lasts doubly long and it's doubly wonderful. We, I thank you for praying. We were away last weekend for a little bit of time together and we had the most wonderful, fantastic time. It was fantastic. It was great. I think all four of our kids were on like top form like the whole weekend, which I don't think has ever happened in the entire history of the world. But like when you've got four of them, there's a lot can go wrong. But like, honestly, we had a couple of moments on Friday night and then it was like... But that's what God does, you see. When you give yourself to him, he returns it tenfold, a hundredfold. But you have to give it first. You don't get it before you give it. Make a conscious decision to choose the kingdom. To choose Jesus. And when you do it, act like Jesus. When you're choosing Jesus, you've got to act like Jesus. You don't go, right, mum, I'm doing this, and stick two fingers up. You honour, you bless, you love, you talk it through, you communicate, you share, you pray, you get advice, you get wisdom, you get help. There's another challenge I want to speak into before faith shares. 
Um, I want to speak into this, frankly, ridiculous notion that many of us have, that two people will provide us with everything we ever need. We have this bonkers thought, and I think it, I, I, presumably at some point it, it goes away, but I, I notice that in, in most people of most ages, they have this thought, I've got my mum, not got my dad, and they should give me everything I need for this entire life, every emotional need, physical, everything, they should give me it all. Have you ever thought how ridiculous that is? That actually two people, and as a parent, I mean, just take the pressure off, man. You need a whole community to raise a child. But many of us as parents believe we've got to do everything. At whatever age they are, however old they are, whatever gender they are, we've got to do everything. No, 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 take the pressure off, man, honestly. As children, we've got to stop taking the pressure off our parents to be everything and everybody, and as parents, we've got to take the pressure off being everything and everybody to our kids. We believe, for some reason, that our natural mum and dad are going to train us, equip us, love us, care for us, nurture us, provide us forever, and then we get deeply upset when they don't do those things. But like I said, it takes a community to raise child. I'm hugely blessed my kids go to a youth group and they share with Matt or Anchor or Rach or Naomi. I'm hugely blessed they go to grandma's and tell her. I used to get upset they'd tell grandma stuff they don't tell me. Now I just thank God for it. Who cares who they tell as long as they talk to somebody about it? Who's bothered? Get rid of your pride and just get over it like I had to do. It's all right. Just be glad they're talking to somebody. They're glad they're sharing with somebody who will tell you if there's a big issue that we don't know about or they'll just pray about it. Just be grateful. And as, as sons and daughters, because you're all a son and a daughter someday, the two people who are natural parents, they're not able to give you everything you need. They're just not. There's no way that two people in this world are designed, I don't even believe it's meant to be built that way, can give you absolutely everything you need. Some people will, some parents may be able to give a large percentage, others a smaller percentage, others a very small percentage. But no two parents can give you everything you need as you walk through life. But the wonderful thing is this. Have you got it there, Josh? No, not that one. Oh, have I not got Philippians for there? There we go. My God will meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Now often we think that's a financial thing, but actually it doesn't say your financial needs, although it is in the context of that, because it's talking about a gift. But actually it's about, no, you have needs to be nurtured, to be cared for, to be parented, to be mothered, to be fathered. And God says, yeah, I'm going to meet them all. The problem is too many of us have looked at these two people and gone, you didn't do it. Well, God didn't say we were going to do it through those two people, did he? Can you find anywhere in the Word that God says that you'll get all your needs met by the two people who were your paternal mum and dad? I can't. You see, we look in the wrong places. We rock line with blinkers on, and because we believe this light is all going to come from our hands, we get upset. But God never said that. He said, He'll meet your needs. And all your needs are parenting at whatever age you are. He has met. But perhaps we have to look a little wider than our natural parents if we're going to find it, regardless of our relationship for them. Some of us have great relationships with our parents, but we'll need other people. Some of us have very poor relationships with our parents, and we'll need other people. Some of us, like Faye, whose mum died a number of years ago, well, she ain't got a physical mum, but God's provided her needs. And you're going to tell us about I. She's very excited to do this. She's not, she's not remotely excited to do it. But she told me that she shared a little bit in Canada, and I went, okay, well, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. Thank you. Do right. Right, thank you. Um, yeah, I've been on many... I'm just going to go for my notes, because I'm not a natural 
person like Adam. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been on many journeys over the years, but following on what, from what Adam has just shared, here's my journey of emotional and practical and spiritual motherhood thus far. Um, as Adam's already said, um, my mum passed away 17 years ago. It's over half my life, it's crazy. <laughs> um, and that I have a wonderful stepmom in Jackie, um, who married my dad 15 years ago. And most of you will know, as Adam's already said, we've got four kiddies. Um, so yeah, I have many memories of my mum, but it's a long time ago, and she was also very poorly on and off for the latter years of her young life. And from what I remember, she was loving, encouraging, taught me the usual milestones of how to walk, talk, dress myself. She nurtured me and cared for me, and she was bothered about me, and she saw potential and gave of herself so that I could grow and develop. She also had a rough moments as well, as she's human. <laughs> um, but she used to drive me two to three times a week to my athletics training. Um, for however long the lasted, I can't remember. It felt like a, a long time for me. <laughs> um, and she'd watch me, she'd talk about me to the other people that were there, and she'd also bring her massive jigsaw puzzle on a roll-up mat all the time. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. <laughs> I was like, Mum, please. <laughs> um, she taught me to read music and birthed my love of music and worshipping Jesus by being an incredible example. She modelled her heart and passion for the people around her and she exemplified a hard-working spirit, provided for me and brought about graciously but firmly a few home truths when I needed to hear them. She kept me safe but didn't mo mollycoddle me and wrap me up in cotton wool. She taught me about laughter and ways of having fun and she hosted great birthday parties and social events, even for the whole neighbourhood. Um, she was a great at guiding me and navigating the ups and downs of friendships as a young girl too, and also preparing me with all the needed items and advice when I really started to grow up. Uh, embarrassing. <laughs> Mum passed away. Um, all of the above still remain true, but it became a memory, not a present reality anymore from a mother figure. Thankfully, though, I had a wonderful dad and brother to reminisce and continue finding the joy in each day. So I suppose this is where my journey begins. Or does it continue? I don't really know. Um, when we have a lack, a void, something that's missing, we seek for it to be filled in some way. And I'm sure I can speak for both my dad and Nathan in that we were incredibly blessed to welcome Jackie into our family quite quickly after. Um, and she's been a wonderful blessing. Um, although I didn't quite see it right at the beginning and gave her a little hard time. Sorry, Jack. Um, I do, however, remember each year the time leading up to and including the day of Mother's Day. Despite what I had, I didn't quite understand or see that at the time. But posters, adverts, supermarkets, friends were all shoving in my face. It's Mother's Day. And that day that my mum died was a Thursday before Mother's Day that year. And I'd bought, I remember buying um, some Thornton's chocolates and I never got to give it to her. And and that every year that would come up and I'd be so emotional about it. Um, so Mother's Day became a very painful day for me. Sorry. It brought back memories of what I'd lost or what I didn't have and what I was not able to do, and not just on Mother's Day, but throughout the year. Um, three years ago, I, I looked this back up, I, I wrote a Facebook page, um, post, and I wrote about seeing everyone else in their Mother's Day posts and all their up-to-date photos, but all I had was an old photo and memories, and it felt in no comparison. But that day I made a decision, I made a conscious choice that I would not focus on which I had no longer had from my natural mum, but that I would celebrate and focus on what God had given me. 
My natural mum was no longer here, but I had a choice of what to focus on. And I love this quote, if it's up there. Be thankful for what you have, you'll end up having more. If you concentrate on what you don't have, you will never, ever have enough. So as I looked and pondered, I realised that I had mothers in my life. They were just not my natural mum, but like Adam was saying, God provided, and I just needed to be willing to look. And so I remember writing thank yous in this Facebook post to various people who had shown a mother's heart to me. I remember wiping away my tears, fighting some very strong-willed thoughts and feelings to push through and choose to thank God for his provision. And this is an extract of what I wrote that day. Mother's Day can be a wonderfully special day, but can also be a challenging day for so many. A day that can be filled with joyous memories and then the painful ones too. And as I've scrolled down on Facebook today, I found myself tearing up and missing greatly my mum. Naturally understandable. I love Mother's Day, but it's a strong reminder of who I miss and love so much. I'm so blessed to be a mother myself to my wonderful four children and think it's a wonderful day not only to celebrate mums but recognise the marvellous women in our lives that may not be our birth mum but that have impacted our lives. As I remind myself of this wonderful reality in my life, I thank God for his redeeming love and grace expressed. He has never left me without a mum and I thank God for what I do have, not what I don't have. Over the years, I have grown to appreciate and recognise motherly qualities from some marvellous women in my life. It's all about perspective. And I went on to write about five different ladies that care for me. And since then, I've realised that countless others that I receive motherly qualities from, and they're not just female. When I think of qualities of a good, great mother, this is what I think of, and what I aim to master for my own self as a mother. They nurture, care, soothe, provide an environment where we can grow and feel safe. Motherhood is practical and it comes from that um, in many forms that are less tangible. They're interested in their kids and they greatly push them into trying new things, help practice and aid developing skills and confidence. They encourage growth, point out their kids' potential and their giftings, any habits that need to change, and they act as a mirror and an example. I'm just going to have a little drink of water. <laughs> they're interested in their kids and they gently push them into trying new things help practice I think I've said this already haven't I yeah they act as a mirror and an example they teach intentionally and unintentionally formally and informally and they help see different perspectives they impart vision what's possible as well as teaching for them to develop on their own they teach how to walk, navigate life, cheer them on as they run. I could always hear my mum screaming on the other side of the competition on the track when I was running. She was my greatest cheerleader and a fan alongside my dad. They walked alongside through the ups and downs. They celebrate fears conquered, milestones overcome. They model speech, thought processes, saying yes and no, and have gracious and loving discipline. They protect and have a powerful instinct to keep their children safe, whether through prayer, warning prompts, encouraging and stepping in. They allow breathing space and they let go and don't hold on and suffocate. They feed and clothe, the giving of oneself for another. They nurture and develop but will push forward, but will be right behind them, ready to catch if they fall. They give assistance to help get back up again and not give up. They bring security internally and externally, and they're quiet and steady, not in your face, but are at the ready. The list could, could go on. 
I have had to go on a journey of learning how to be a mum from those around me that have exemplified the above. And might I add a heck of a lot more qualities too, I'm sure. Business, how to cook, how to manage a household, how to be a wife, how to lead a church family, how to be a manager, how to be a, have vision and dream and to actually make it a reality. I have needed many mums. Some more than others, but nonetheless, they're saying it takes a village, you stole my line. <laughs> it takes a village to build a child. Raise a child is most assuredly a valid statement. Had I not changed my perspective for what I don't have to what I do have, I would not be the person I am today. I would most likely be sad, bitter, angry, maybe even depressed. Part of changing your perspective is being willing to accept and face the fear. You're letting go of a hefty weight on your shoulder in life, but it most definitely is greener on the other side. I am a mother. I am the mother today because people have demonstrated motherly qualities that I can observe, ask for guidance, and also share my ideas with. I am the businesswoman I am today because of people, Christian and non-believers, that I have caught from them by listening and honouring them and their deposit within them. My mum was and is an amazing woman, but there is no way she would have been able to mother me in all the above ways every moment of every day and in every sphere of my life. She's human. We have limits, pressures and strains. Don't pass over, be unobservant and don't dishonour the gifts, deposits that are in and around you in other people. Since having that revelation three years ago, I don't find it as hard these days walking into a supermarket, card shop, as I've been through a process over the years. Of course, I miss my mum terribly, but I'm not convinced that I could have got everything I needed from her. It's too one-dimensional. God is into life, love and healing. I have a choice and you have a choice. Are you going to just look at one person for everything and limit their capacity? Or are you going to be open for others aside of the mothering role to mother you? I just wanted to share um, just um, a testimony that I kind of got as soon as Adam started speaking of something that happened to me that flows in with what Adam said and also with what Faith said. Um, as you know, I've got two daughters, Rebecca who's 24 and Rachel who's 21. When Rebe Rachel was born, um, obviously 21 years ago, um, just before then, um, Jeff would arrange to go on a mission trip to America with Paul. Now, this is 21 years ago. And at that point, we didn't have loads of armor bearers to go with Paul anywhere. And the trips were not every few months. They were like once every couple of years. So these trips were not, you know, just like say every frequent. So Jeff, we'd, we decided, we'd prayed about it. So obviously at this point when we said yes, I was pregnant with, with Rachel. And so um, the time came and uh, we decided, decided to, to go on this trip to go to America for 10 days. Because I had Rebecca early, she was two weeks early, I thought Rachel will come early as well. Um, but she didn't. <laughs> she came, I think she was dead on time. Um, yeah, she was dead on time. And the time that she came to Jeff going to America was exactly two weeks. And Jeff's family, Jeff has got a big family, as some of you know. He's one of 13 children, so he's got lots of brothers and sisters and who are a lot older than him. And they were really very critical 
of what we were doing. Do you know what you're doing? You've just had a baby, two weeks old, your husband's going away. How are you going to cope? How are you going to look after the baby? You've got Rebecca as well. Are you mad? Are, are, you, are you in a cult? Are you, you know, is, what is this church doing? What are they saying? And honestly, it were a barrage, just like Adam said, it were a barrage of family against us. You, you're not right, you're wrong, wrong in your heads, you know, which is what they are saying up there about Jesus. You're wrong in your heads, what are you doing? But it was just something that we knew that we, we had to do. And I had already released Jeff to go. But then obviously the, the doubts come and then you think, oh, are we right? But I said, no, we, we're right. We decided to do this and we're sticking by it. So then, so obviously, Jeff went away two weeks after Rachel was born, and I was feeding Rachel myself, I was breastfeeding, so I was looking after her and everything. But then, the church just stepped in, and obviously none of Jeff's family helped, bless him, but the church stepped in, and I had, I had meals on wheels, I had people coming, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I had my breakfast, they took Rebecca out for, for walks. Rachel was born on 21st of September and it was still the end of summer. So they could go out with the pram. So Rachel was out, you know, they're taking her out and Rebecca as well in a double buggy that somebody had brought with two things in, you know, and miraculously took her out, which meant I could just pot around the house a bit, you know, just do a little bit of cleaning, a bit of ironing, just things that you want to do, as, you, know, as a, you know, just to get your house sorted. And it was just constant, constant. So that scripture, my God will meet all your needs to the riches of his glory. He met those needs in other people. Jeff was aware. Yeah, Jeff could have done all the cooking and cleaning and everything. Um, he could have done all that. But, you know, he, he would have only had two weeks off work because back then that's all you were allowed. So he would have gone back to work. He would work in night shift. So he wouldn't have been there through the nights. So that wouldn't have been any help. But God met all my needs through other people, through the church. So he met them, not through Jeff. And it's just wonderful to kind of hear that. And because, like I say, it was tough then, but we made that decision. That, and Jeff had a fabulous time over in America. It was perfect. It was great. Um, and I had a fabulous time here. I was just so looked after. So it is difficult. So whenever those times come and you make a decision, you know, irrespective of what other people might say, when you make a decision for God and you honour it, he honours you more than you could ever imagine. And I am living proof of that. And I can testify and I will testify many times to this because it is a true fact that happened in my life 21 years ago. So be encouraged. It was a wonderful word. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. Okay, musicians, do you want to come? I think there's a couple of things that I just want to... Because for some people, there's a... There's a grieving of what you don't have. Whether that be somebody who's physically absent, emotionally absent, practically absent. And in order to get into the new, in order to see what God's given you, because he's given you everything you need. And for many of us, it's right in front of our eyes. So for some of us, there's a thankfulness that needs to take place, actually, for what we do have. For some of us, there's a grieving for what we feel we've not got. And for some of us, there's a whole new revelation of what might be around us.
Um, I, I, when I think about parents, me now, I, I have at least 10 people. Of course, there's my own natural mom and dad, but there's probably about 10 people who in different ways, at different times, to different levels, all parent me in various ways. But you say I've understood that God provides all my needs. And often it's from the most unlikely of sources, but we have to be open. We have to be open and say, okay, Lord, it, whoever you want to send me, I'll receive. Because often we, we complain God's not met our needs, but often we've shut off the tap before he's even had a chance to open it. Yeah. By refusing to accept it from this person or demanding it must come from this place or that place. But he never says where it'll come from. It's the same with us. It's like, it's like money. We, we expect it to come from certain places and then we miss it because we're not, we're not ready for it to come from somewhere else. It's the same with love, care, affection, grace, goodness. So let's, let's, just, uh, let's just stand together. I'm not quite sure how to do this yet, but let's just... Let's just sing together and, um, yeah. Well, you know what? I'm just going to pray, actually, I think. Let's stand together. Father, we, we do thank you for your word, Lord. And Lord, some of us just need to give thanks for how incredibly blessed we are. Other of us need to grieve, Father, for what we've been missing, Father. Other of us need to say sorry, Father, for not receiving it when you've had it right there on our doorstep. But Father, I just ask, even as we start singing, Lord, I ask that your spirit would move, Father, among That you would touch hearts. And just, I know, I know Paul last week, just, it might be that God gives you something for somebody else. All right, I'm not going to have a ministry time at the front, but I want you to be praying for yourself. If God gives you a word for somebody, tells you to go hug somebody, okay. If it's encouraging, do it. If it's not encouraging, keep your mouth shut. Okay, that's the only rule. Okay. But we believe in family, we believe in... It takes a community to raise you. It's not about a father or a son doing everything. It's about a family doing things. So as we sing and as we worship, just be aware, be aware of yourself, be aware of another. Let's be sensitive to one another. It might just be a prayer for somebody where you are. It might be a go to them. It might be often a word or a hug, but just... Okay, Father, we just release your Holy Spirit, Lord. We say we're ready to listen, Father. Are you ready to listen, church? yourself and for the people. We're ready to listen, Father. Ready to minister, Father. Ready to move in the gifts you've given us, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, right now for good and encouraging words, pictures, actions, Father, for people that need it, Lord. I thank you for a release of pain, Father, and ability to give things over to you, Lord. We thank you for your love and your life in Jesus' name, Father. And just if the kids come back, just keep focused, okay? It might be some of those kids just actually need something, okay? So just, you might get a word for the little ones and just go pray for them or speak to them. It's a whole family, all right? Okay, let's just enjoy being together and being with Jesus.